Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away, let me speak for the love of God! Oh man, I'm having flashbacks to being a kid, sitting on the carpet directly in front of the TV. You know, back in those days, my TV had legs and coaster wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Mine had a had like a switch dial. Yes. And it only had it, it had I think it had it still had like twelve or thirteen channels. But they were fuzzy. Only, like yeah, none <laughs> of them you're like, why are there so many channels when only five of them work? It was like a glimpse into the future. Potentially there will be channels. Yeah. That never came. <laughs> that never came on those TVs. <laughs> Same can't be said for your TV with what you watch. I, I take that as a compliment that you think that there was a point in my life where I could have hit the TV. <laughs> oh, that's an awkward little uh, introduction to today's theme. Yeah, <laughs> but the you theme... really took it down the wrong... <laughs> the theme song is um, from the wonderful world of Disney. What a beautiful thing that was in the day. It was, uh, was must-see TV viewing, as they say. Yeah, it has several names over the years, um, but up until recently, it was apparently the longest-running prime shine. <laughs> prime prime, <show>. <laughs> prime time show in America. Yeah, right. How's that? And it was um it was Hallmark that came and bumped it off off the the top because they With took their a murder, break. Murders and mystery, <laughs> the romance and murder <laughs> mystery. Uh... No, the um the the Hallmark Hall of Fame show ended up, which is a similar kind of concept anthology. Every week, it's a different film, uh, movie of the week, if you will. But because Just lower budgets and uh, <laughs> worse acting. Because Disney took uh, a couple of years off, that's what bumped them off the top. But um, they are back and they're still going. And it's been known as the magical world of Disney and Disney's wonderful world of colour and Walt Disney Presents. It started in 1954. And other than that little break, it's still running. Um, yeah, like it's it's good stuff. And so many great movies came from it. Um, well, I liked that they, they, they considered movies, but some of them only... Some of them were actually like cheats, like they were like pilots to TV series. <laughs> like uh, uh, my favorite was um, the Last of the Electric Knights, which became the Sidekicks TV series. <laughs> and you get the the it came out local, like it came out on video, home mm. video here, as a feature. Like they advertised it as a feature. And it was only until you flipped the back and you're like, hang on a second, this thing only goes for sixty minutes. I know, a lot of them <laughs> did. Well, yeah, you put commercials in there and you've got yeah, a movie, and you got a movie. That's right. <laughs> but I have a funny feeling that this episode is another one that's going to make you and I feel very old, Ben. Um, <laughs> but at least we have Samantha Housen back to connect with the youngins. Yeah, I was going to say more so than the, the changing weather <laughs> in Melbourne. <laughs> so I hope everybody is ready for a dose of wholesomeness, albeit with an abundance of profanity, no doubt. And we've already crossed that line, so <laughs> as promised. 
Always. But this episode <laughs> is all about live action Disney movies and I can't wait to start talking about them. But welcome everybody, this is Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShamp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. I'm Glenn Cochran and my childhood crush was Kim Richards from Escape to Witch Mountain. And of course my trusty co-anchor is none other than Ben Helwig, whose childhood crush was Richard Masseur from Mr. Boogity. <laughs> <laughs> He bloody was. <laughs> As mentioned, Sam Housen is back once more. Hey, Sam, who was your childhood crush? Hello. My childhood crush. Ugh. Corey Feldman. She's <laughs> <laughs> too young for that. Oh, yeah. I honestly cannot even remember. Zach Efron. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That was definitely after me. That was the generation after the whole. Um, oh, you're a Joey Lawrence? High school. I was say, no, was it, was high school it, musical. Uh, Jason Priestley? Jason Priestley? <laughs> from uh, from Beverly Hills 9020. You're too young for that. <laughs> no. I never watched Beverly Hills 9020. I honestly cannot remember, like, <laughs> before high school ever having a crush on anyone. Oh, you're late bloomer. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> when, when were you in, when when did you start high school? What year did you start high school? You never um, ask a girl's age. 2000. I'm not, I'm done. Well, I, I, 2002. You, 2002. Two. I was going to say you overestimate my mathematical ability if you think <laughs> that I can go, well, you were 12? What's 2002? You talk as if we don't have like listeners. A, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't care about that. Oh, you know what? I don't Sean care if they William, can do maths or not. Actually, yep. I remember Sean William Scott was probably the first, but I that was from American Pie. Mm. Jesus, you had a crush on Stifler in American Pie? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I 100% did. That's and he was a in Evolution. Crush. But I, yeah, it is a weird crush. <laughs> yeah. He takes a shit in an esky. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I know. He's he's a horrible, horrible person. I don't know why I liked him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you are hot, the one place to sit is an esky. Is an esky, yeah. <laughs> Well, this is going to be uh, an, an interesting show because over the last couple of weeks, our themes have sort of become increasingly more difficult to sort of interpret and and sort of focus on. And the common thread is the fact that they're all themes that you've come up with, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for throwing me under the bus there, Glenn. Much appreciated. No, but it's, in, it's an enjoyable experience, but I kind of feel like all of these episodes need a part one, two and three. Great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're so vague. How do we interpret live-action Disney movies? Because, you know, for younger generations, they're probably going to instinctively think of those newer live-action remakes of classic animated films. And then there's people like myself who automatically just knee-jerk back to the 50s through to the 80s. That's my sort of era for Disney live-action. And, you know, there's so many directions we could go. You've got all the theatrical ones like Mary Poppins and Princess Diaries and Swiss Family Robinson, the Herbie franchise. There's even College Road Trip, mate, with Martin Lawrence. Yep. <laughs> the Rookie, Bridge to Terabithia. And no, I'm not throwing Ben under the letterbox bus because uh, <laughs> I won't make him list everything we mention. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it all just comes down to personal taste. And um, we're going to focus on two movies each and um, no doubt mention a lot more in between. And before we move on, our friends are here to help us along the way. Jared Gunn from Monster Pictures will step up to the mic in a minute to bring you this week's home entertainment releases. Then a bit later, Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm has movie news. Chloe Ritchie from Movie Night with the Ritchie Girls podcast will share one of her favourites with you. And Adam Ross from Triple M will recommend one of his 
personal favourites as well. And it's a more recent one. And uh, no episode of Good Movie Monday would be complete without the buffoonery of the Bonehead Weekly triplets. So stick around because Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings and James Thomas will preach some Disney goodness all the way from Kentucky in the United States. It's a fun show to be sure, so um, stick around. And I just want to start off, guys, by dropping... Dropping the live-action Disney movie into the conversation that's very aligned with our whole, you know, genre passion here. We we love our horror movies, and there's no other yeah. Disney movie closer related than Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was written and conceived by Brian Usner and Stuart Gordon, the creators of Reanimator yes. and From Beyond. How good is that movie? It love, is excellent. Love, love, love. It, it made me rethink burning all those ants with a magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the cookie. The, I always yeah. remember the cookie. Is it the cream the or the cookie? cookie? Actually, the cream because it was like it was like um, delicious. Yeah, it looked delicious. <laughs> I can't even explain it. Was it. Probably it just looked like amazing. Just whipped cream or something, but you know. yeah, yeah, it looked like it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're doing a fourth one, did you know? And Joe Johnson's returning to direct it, and um, it's called oh, what's it called? Oh, I forgot what it's called. Um, shrunk. <laughs> shrunk. I just. I remember thinking that my favorite thing about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was thinking that, wow, even Rick Moranis can get laid without the aid of Zool. <laughs> twice. Twice. It happened at least twice. But yeah, the fourth one's coming. Joe Johnson returns. Josh Gad has written it and is starring as, you know, the little nerdy kid grown up. Can't remember his actual name. And Rick Moranis Josh is Gad. coming out of retirement for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Always happy to help, Glenn. You know that. <laughs> hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE class. Now, it is a head-on collision of home entertainment this week. At one end of the freeway, we've got a new release slate. At the other end, some classic titles, and along the way, they're colliding to squeeze every fucking dollar out of your wallet this week. I mean, every dollar of your pocket money spent on home entertainment this week. So let's get into it. Coming out from Mad Men is Pig. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Now, this is the one with Nick Cage playing like a hermited, celebrated chef whose prize-winning uh, truffle pig is stolen from him and he has to head into the city to track it down and possibly extract a little revenge along the way. It's a cool slow-burn film and it sees Cage play opposite Alex Wolf in it as they sort of have an unlikely sort of team-up. And it's pretty damn cool. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Then from Roadshow, they're pulling from the Warner catalog. It is the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit combined Ultimate Collector's Set. In fact, it's dubbed the Middle Earth 6 film Ultimate Collector's Set. And uh, it's coming out on 4K Ultra HD with a Blu-ray component. It's 31 discs. It is 31 discs. So if you were complaining last year when, when they released the... You know, the theatrical and extended trilogies, uh, sans special features on 4K Ultra HD. If you were moaning, where are the special features? Well, here they are. So pony up and put those dollars across the fucking counter because it's expensive. It's just under $500. And for $500, you, you'd want to be getting 31 discs. My advice to you, however, is we know it's that time of year where there's sales coming up post-Christmas. So maybe just hold out a little. And uh, you might save yourself close to 100 bucks on this set if you just wait until maybe Boxing Day. Then also coming out from Warner via Roadshow is Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, both making their 4K Ultra HD debuts. And I'm happy to say both have Dolby Atmos tracks on them. However, if 
only Warner could do some special feature content, like pull your fucking finger out, you've made a lot of money off this franchise over the years, do some special features for Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, come on. If you're going to keep releasing it, then at least do some special features. I'm sure there's someone who will participate. If George you know, Miller's not going to participate, then get someone else to participate. For fuck's sake, make it happen. In any case, the special features that have been released in the past on DVD and Blu-ray for Mad Max to The Road Warrior have been ported over to this 4K release. So that's good news at least. Then also coming out from Roadshow is that actioner. Liam Neeson's in Ice Roads coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, plus that sci-fi film that no one really saw. Well, maybe this is the opportunity for you to check it out. Reminiscence is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD starring Hugh Jackman. Then Disney had the David Bruckner Sundance breakout film. This is the film that was an independent film but went to Sundance and, like, Fox Searchlight, as it were at the time before it was just Searchlight Pictures, paid a record amount of money for global rights to this film. And um, then, of course, they release it in the pandemic and no one sees it. Anyway, it's coming out on Home Entertainment this week. The film is The Night House. Now, Bruckney is the guy behind the new adaptation of Hellraiser that's coming to Hulu in the States, and God knows what it's coming to here. Uh, in any way, this special feature-wise, uh, it's it's a bit lackluster. There's one featurette that's on the Blu-ray title, What Happens at the Lake House, and explores all the facets of production from the design of the lake house itself uh, through to Rebecca Hall's performance. Then also from Disney, they're releasing M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable on 4K Ultra HD. However, unlike the UK or the US, Disney are not including the Blu-ray, which means that the film is sans special features as there's not a single special feature on the 4K disc. Also, they didn't do any new audio mixes. It's using the existing DTS HD Master Audio 5.1 track you've heard before on the Blu-ray. However, the picture quality is pretty damn mint. Then coming from ViaVision, they've got a 30th anniversary edition of Fried Green Tomatoes coming out on both Blu-ray and DVD. Now this is the extended cut of the film and there are a ton of special features including deleted scenes, outtakes, featurettes and much, much more. Now before I close off this segment, I did just want to say that, you know, I know the boys are talking about their favourite live action Disney films on this episode and I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring and just mention that one of my favourite live action Disney films heralds from 1985 it's The Journey of Natty Gan uh, which I just I loved this film growing up and I, I still love it in fact last time I looked it was actually on Disney Plus and it has Meredith Selinger playing the titular role in it um, she's terrific in it obviously she went on to appear in a number of cool movies including Dream a Little Dream with Corey Heyman Corey Feldman The Kiss with um, Joanna Pacula. Um, there's a ton of stuff she's done. In fact, she even did a Disney, uh, Wonderful World of Disney, uh, mini movie called Our Town about a year or two later, which was which was cool, uh, playing opposite John Ford. But the legend of Natty Gan. It's also got John Cusack in it, and it, it's a beautiful. It's it's a journey tale of a young girl that's a runaway that's gone in search of finding her father. Uh, and yeah, it's just thoroughly enjoyable. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there for good measure. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical. Hey, Sam, where does your mind go to when, where did your mind go to when we pitched you live action Disney movies for an episode? <laughs> um, it, it Straight went. to the gutter. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel, no, what? No. <laughs> That's the reaction. That's, I was getting that from her then. Yeah, it was like. No, because you know what I said 
I said the first time you said that, well, I automatically thought of the new ones. And mm-hmm. I didn't like even think about the ones that I grew up with. I automatically thought about the new ones like Milan and uh, Lion King, the new Lion King. Yeah, that's what I thought of instantly. I know that's, that's a perplexing one, the new Lion King, because it's it comes across as live action, but it's all animated. It's yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, they say it's live action. <laughs> But, it looks real. Yeah. I guess there's some landscapes <laughs> that are live, but that's yeah. not the action. But yeah, no, it's not. Re- it's not Christopher Walken. It's not Christopher Walken. It's a, and Jungle it's Book. The voice of a, Jungle Book's the same of a Christopher of Christopher Walken as a baboon. Yeah, at least Jungle Book you've got yeah. a you've got a human kid in there. But um, you do. Yeah. yeah Would you true. like to lead the way, Sam, with uh, one of your favorites? I will. I I chose I chose movies that I hadn't well one I haven't seen and the other one I hadn't seen since I was a kid, and so the first one I'm talking about is Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Hell to the yes, Angela Lansbury, amazing the queen, Miss Eglantine queen. Price. <laughs> I remember even as a kid going, "What kind of a name is Eglantine?" Yeah, Egl- yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but it was made in 1971. Mm-hmm. And um, it's. I feel like it's half cheating because there is animation. It's in live movie. action. That's just the fantasy sequences. Yeah. Well, the underwater sequences. They're not fantasy sequences. <laughs> it's, legit, it's legitimate magic. Yeah, it's not Mary Poppins. <laughs> the kid wants to go to the Isle of Nabubu, <laughs> and it takes them there just because the rest of the world happens to be animated. Uh, Sam, I, I don't want to like um, hijack you for a minute, and you may have this in your mm. notes. So I apologise if I'm beating you to the punch. But this was originally supposed to be a Mary Poppins two when it was first um, pitched oh, to Disney. No, no, I didn't. I didn't mm. know that. Yeah, it is its own book, but they were going to adapt the book yeah. as a Mary Poppins. You know, ignore the Travis yeah. stuff. Oh, and make her oh, make Mary okay. Poppins yeah. Evelyn Tone Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Or make her. Mary it, did, Poppins. it does have. Yeah, right. It does have that like that. Mary Poppins feel same to director, the film. same director, yeah, yeah, except yeah, she's Robert Stevenson, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she's, doesn't, she's yeah. an apprentice, yeah, she's an apprentice, she's just learning. And, <laughs> and anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so um, yeah, uh, it's it's directed by Robert Stevenson and Ward Kimball, but Ward Kimball's the animation director. I have a watch that's signed by Ward Kimball. Really? Yep. Really? I do. Like a stop. What watch? kind of watch? No, it's like a, a it's a Jiminy Cricket watch. Um, lights up and oh. it's engraved on the back, and it was like one of I think three hundred. Right. <gasps> See, when you said That's that, incredible. It was like, I thought it was like you had got him to sign it, not like it was like <laughs> a <laughs> inscribed. Like a, yeah, just a, like there are three hundred of these. It's not at all. It wasn't a person. It's not a personal gift or anything <laughs> that like must that. Have like taken you him met a long him. time. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's still worth a lot of money. Thank you very much. I'm sure it would. That sounds great. <laughs> Don't patronize me, Sam. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It sounds awesome. That watch sounds I love great. That kind of thing. <laughs> What's a watch, Glenn? Isn't it just something that you have on your phone? An Apple Watch is still called a watch. That's, All right. that's a good point. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so Angela Lansbury. Um, Eglant, Eglant, I don't think I can say it properly. Eglantine. That's it. Eglantine. 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 It's England time. Um, England time. <laughs> is, is um, an apprentice witch. And she has to take in three kids 
that were taken from or not taken sorry relocated they were they were Evacu- relocated evacuated. thank you <laughs> yeah from london um and uh, because it's world war Two. correct and they basically the three kids don't want to be there uh but they see her flying on a broomstick and i don't know they get they get they just get entangled into yeah. her story yeah she sort of basically. then they all become a little tight little unit as they yeah. go on adventures yeah david tomlinson's yeah. in it let's not forget about that the great david tomlinson yeah god that guy's yeah. a legend the dad from Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mr. Banks. He was, um, Mr. Banks. When I, when I heard him speak and I closed my eyes, he almost sounded like um, uh, Cary Grant oh, to me. Like, like an older Cary Grant. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was. <laughs> and so it was, it was really nice to watch it again because like I said, or I was going to say, was that the animated part of the film was actually the part that I remember the most mm, when I was mm. watching it. The rest of it I didn't and even the very end. Yeah. The the really lengthy like the, uh, battle the scene. The battle scene which is great. It would yeah, it's great, but I did not remember a single part of that. Well, because it's um, the stuff that is a kid you a fast kid. forward and you just go straight no, to the car. Still, yeah. like, that was my favorite part was the whole Nazi battle part. Oh really? <laughs> the yeah. like Draguna, McCoides and Dracor <laughs> That was a I loved all that stuff and all of the, the soldiers throughout history that are in the castle go yeah, and fight. Yeah. Then they've got that great, like all of the slapstick comedy where all of the, like the, the soldiers get full of bullets and he's like yeah, just emptying yep. them out. <laughs> yeah. And then one guy gets caught on a pair of legs, a, a pair of armor legs, and he's just like swearing in German, <laughs> holding grenades while he's being carted off, you know. I, was like, I love that part. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, would you either of you like to sing a song from um, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks? I think I just I just did. Oh, what was the the <laughs> um that, that uh, bobbing along? What was the the road? Bobbing along, called? bobbing along beneath the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. Ah, oh, well done. That was good. Don't patronize me, damn it! I am not patronizing you. <laughs> I don't patronize people. <laughs> that was very patronizing. It's uh, taking all my willpower not to sing along. I could have said nothing. I could have just left you hanging. <laughs> well, we're getting, we're getting some lovely. tude out of this one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Little miss. <I've> been, yeah. <laughs> what was the oh, what was the street called? That song. I really love that song. Oh, um, Portobello Road. That's Portobello right. Road. A street where the riches yes. of ages are sold. And and the dancing of all the different like nationalities and, and yeah. oh it was that was great I love that you scene. have picked a banger for this episode because it sounds as though Ben could have easily picked this one by the way he's talking yeah. and I know for a fact that Chloe almost chose it too so I've, yeah oh really like the biggest disappointment I got in quick you did one of the biggest disappointments in my life and that's it's saying a lot about my life <laughs> was when DVD first came out and I bought bed knobs and broomsticks and. The early version of that, they had dubbed David Tomkin Tomlinson. Tomlinson, yeah. And it was a different guy. Oh, jeez. Oh. And except in the singing parts, because they couldn't dub that. <laughs> and it, it it upset me. Like, that would upset me it, too. It, it, like, I got incredibly angry. Why would they do that? It must have been an issue with the print that they used as the master. And the subsequent ones, they oh. it's gone back to normal. But... And Sam Jeffy is the bookman. Like I loved all that stuff. Mm. Like all of that. Mm. I loved all the World War Two stuff because I love that era. Yeah. I really like. I mean, like I like the animated stuff too. But yeah. 
the oh. football game. One part of it that I didn't understand was at the very start where she she's got her like motorbike with the little sidecar. Uh, yeah, runs on and, it, and it's like it yeah, it's like yellow. Yeah, and I was it's, like, it's is it sulfur? And it smells yeah. like oh, fart. Okay. Yeah, it smells like fart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought to myself, I thought I had that thought in my head. I'm like, is that sulfur? But I wasn't sure if it was like a weird like. 70s. Oh, have you ever been to like a, a mineral springs that has sulfur in it? It's <laughs> the worst. No, Horrible. no. Rotten eggs, I, I can tell you. I've, I've smelt it before, but I've like <laughs> I've smelt that it? smell before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just constantly saying pardon the entire time. Yeah. See, this is the trick. Live near a sulfur mine. <laughs> you can get away with a lot. <laughs> is there anything you want to add before we move on? No, no. I love it. Fantastic I love this movie. Fantastic choice. We all love that one. Ben, before um, we talk about your first choice, let me drop some more titles. And yes, don't worry. It's not for Letterboxd, okay? Uh, Son of a bitch. Don't have a, don't have a heart attack here. But obviously Mary Poppins is a benchmark for me because that's constantly my favourite film of all time. It sort of rotates between one and two. Um, some others, though, that I talk about on the show a lot. Third Man on the Mountain, always, always. 1959. Follow Me, Boys, 1966. Something Wicked This Way comes from 1983. They're ones I talk about so much on the show, I didn't want to cover them today, but honourable mentions. And then, of course, uh, from my childhood, stuff like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was an amazing one. Yes. Island at the Top of the World was a good one, which um, I believe, was that a spin-off from Mystery Island? And uh, 20,000 Leagues? I think it was. In Search of the Castaways, maybe that was the one. I always thought In Search of the Castaways was like a, a sequel to a Castaways... Oh, right, yeah. Movie? <laughs> I was like, I've never seen the first one. I can't watch it. I one. think it's that one because it's Captain Nemo as well. That is that's it? I thought that In Search of the Castaways was a Swiss Family Robinson ripoff. Yeah, it I, is. It is Which totally. I thought was odd because Disney had... Yeah. Based Swiss, on the Swiss Jules Verne book, though, that, yeah, right. that is a sequel. Uh, the Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. Well, the, the, the all the, the Kurt, Kurt Russell ones, Barefoot Executive. Yep, yep. Um, that What's the band one? I can't think of the name of it. The one that is in a band, the f- something something family band. Yeah, I know the one you mean. He um, was a Disney child actor. It's amazing. He's in a lot of it's stuff. Amazing. And of course, the other two I wanted to mention were the Absentminded Professor and Shaggy Dog. Love those. But Ben, take us to your happy place. I was going to say, well, the ones I can't talk about because I talk about them all the time. Otherwise, it would like Darby O'Gill and the Little People would yeah, be yeah. the one. I was going to reference that later. That I uh, would be talking about Moon Spinners, mm-hmm. which is great. And uh, Mr. Boogity and uh, Ichabod Crane, the <laughs> with Dick Butkus and uh, and uh, what's his name from um, Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum, which I watched. I watched for some reason. I watched Jurassic Park last week just for the Jeff Goldblum topless scenes. <laughs> and I was, I was, I don't know. Like I was like that was in my head, and I'm like, sure, it truly it didn't happen. It's just like an internet joke. <laughs> and then you watch it, you watch it, and you're like, no? Yeah. He's definitely doing yeah. it. Full centerfold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I decided to go with one that I know I watched at the time, but I, I remembered nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And it's been on Disney Plus, uh, staring me in the face, taunting me with its presence. <laughs> Uh, so I finally caved and watched it, and it is uh, actually I don't know what year it is. 1977's Candle Shoe, starring a young, a very young Jodie Foster, who I think this would have been 
So this would have been around the time that she was doing Taxi Driver? Definitely. The, and Freaky Friday. The and, only yeah. thing I remember about this film is the poster itself. Yeah, right. I don't remember the film at all. It's laced with larceny. Loaded with laughter. <laughs> it's laced. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great one because I do, uh, like Jodie Foster plays like a, a rough and tumble street kid who is um, like, she's in the foster care system. <laughs> uh, foster care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way, too, way too eager with that. <laughs> for that. It's like, a, it was uh, not as good as that enthusiasm <laughs> Demanded. Uh, and uh, and Leah McKern kind of picks her up at picks her up out of the street because she's got a, she's got a couple of scars that resemble the scars of this um, uh, missing child. This it was the 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 child of a how can I even put it a, a British like lord mm-hmm. like a. And the, the 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 daughter kind of elopes with this American, comes to America with the with and they have a baby, mm. and then the both parents die, yeah. and the kid is like lost. They have a car accident, and Liam and the kid, thinks she's the heir to the throne. And, well, he wants her to pretend to be the heir, yeah, because uh, he finds his sister used to work at this uh, at their um, the family estate. And she finds this treasure map from one of their ancestors who was a pirate, a buccaneer, and hid his treasure somewhere on the grounds, but no one has ever been able to find it. Mm. And so he wants, uh, he kind of go, gets into cahoots with Jodie Foster to pretend to be this missing kid. So they've got someone on the inside looking for the treasure. And when Jodie Foster gets there, she finds it's Helen Hayes is the, is the grandmother. Uh, and she kind of plays her and plays on her sympathies and using like knowledge of the child so kind of says all cons her into believing that she may be the the missing granddaughter mm-hmm. and David Niven is the is the butler um, slash everything else because uh, what she discovers is that they're actually broke yeah right there's no money and uh, David Niven has pretending is pretending to be all the different servants but because um, Helen Hayes is kind of blind. She can't. Te- she can't tell it's the so difference. It's convoluted. It's wow. it's very convoluted. But then they go searching for the um, searching for the treasure, and of course, Jodie Foster. You know the the loveliness of the family kind of break Jodie Foster's <laughs> selfish streak, <laughs> and she comes to care for them and uh, and helps them. It's a, it's a, it is actually it's a really fun movie. Leah McKern is great. I always think that Leah McKern is who Disney got. If Peter Ustinov was busy, <laughs> he's a weird cat. I like um, him a lot. He's yeah, yeah. Like, he's yeah, and he's great in this. Like he's he's kind of he's super evil and violent and stuff. But and there is mm. there is some kind of great slapstick fight sequences between the kids and uh, Leah McKern and his kind of gang of ne'er do wells. Yep, which is pretty funny. Um, totally implausible, but yeah, fun nonetheless. <laughs> And the, the the house is great, although having watched as as much of the Escape to the Country as I have been watching during <laughs> lockdown, uh, the, the house, British one, the British one, yeah, not the Australian one. <laughs> no. Jesus, what a what a disappointment the Australian one is. <laughs> you look at the Australian countryside and the houses there, and you're like, well, that's a bit of, that's a piece of shit. Yeah. Sam might be a lot older than what she's letting on because you know what person her age should know that. <laughs> Anyone, anyone with nine life, Glenn, nine life and a heart. 
that cool. are yearning for a, for a a better life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it, but the house, the house, the, the the house, the house is actually quite kind of small. Yeah, like the grand hall isn't that grand, and it does have a pretty cool library, and there are hidden passages all through the house, and it's it's just a lot. It's a lot of fun. Like it is, and it's a great. Because you get to be Jody, the Jodie Foster character kind mm. of thing, coming from overseas and experiencing all of this stuff for the first time. Awesome. Well, yeah. When I was uh, scrolling through Disney Plus, just you know, recapping on some movies that I might have you know, missed for this episode, that came up, and I saw the poster and I recognised it, but have I don't recall it. So, based on what no, you just said, I, I don't want to see it. it. No, I do. <laughs> I do. I definitely. I definitely want to see it. <laughs> it's on my list. What's happening, everybody? Happy to be back on Good Movie Monday. Guillermo here from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. As always, here to tell you a little bit about what we've covered on the website in the past week. Kicking off with Leonardo DiCaprio signs up to play cult leader Jim Jones. DiCaprio is in final talks to play Jim Jones, the infamous religious cult leader who, in 1978, ordered a mass murder-suicide that saw the deaths of over 900 members, including hundreds of children. MGM has picked up this project, which is just titled Jim Jones, which comes with a screenplay by Venom, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, and High Fidelity scribe Scott Rosenberg. Rosenberg is also on board as executive producer, with DiCaprio on board to star and produce via his Apian Way production banner. Still no director name for this one, although you can expect one to be announced soon now that MGM has grabbed it. Tom Hardy and Channing Tatum will be starring in a film set during the chaotic Afghanistan evacuation of troops that occurred this past August. Universal Pictures acquired the project, which came as a pitch from George Nolfi, whose screenwriting credits include The Bourne Ultimatum, The Adjustment Bureau, Ocean's 12, and The Banker. Nolfi will be on board as executive producer, with Tatum and Hardy among the producers. Deadline broke the news reporting that the still untitled project is based on some of the true stories coming from the troubling events in Afghanistan this year. The plot will focus on three former Special Forces team members who jumped back into the fray alongside their Afghan counterparts to rescue families and allies left behind amid the rapid fall of Afghanistan. No director has been named as yet. A Luther movie is now being filmed after five seasons, the last of which aired back in January of 2019. Idris Elba is back as DCI John Luther in a feature film. Production has officially begun on the film, being directed by Jane Payne, who helmed four episodes of the series. The screenplay comes from Luther creator Neil Cross. You can jump on Screen Realm to check out a couple of the images that Idris Elba shared from the set. The feature is being described by Netflix as an epic continuation of the Luther saga reimagined for film. The cast also includes Cynthia Erivo and Andy Serkis, although there's still no word on who they'll be playing, and Dermot Crowley is reprising his series role as Martin Schenk. In case you don't know, the BBC drama that kicked off in 2010 had Elba in an award-winning turn as John Luther, a dedicated, obsessive, possessed, and sometimes violent police officer who is often consumed by the darkness of the crimes he investigates. I'm a big fan of the series, so I can't wait to see what they do with the movie. Next up, Jason Momoa and Dave Bautista are going to be starring in a comedy action film based on an idea by Momoa. Patista and Jonathan Tropper, creator of series Warrior and co-creator of Banshee. No plot details to go on as of yet, although we do know that the film will be a Lethal Weapon-esque buddy cop comedy and it will likely be filmed in Hawaii. Bautista and Momoa, buddies in real life, recently start together in Dune, although they didn't have any actual scenes together, and they go head to head on the Apple series C. Ben Stiller is set to direct The Champions, an adaptation of the 1960s British TV series of the same name. Stiller is on board to also star in the film, which will also star Aussie Oscar winner Kate Blanchett. The Champions tells the story of a plane that's carrying three UN agents 
and it crashes in the Himalayas. The agents are then rescued by an advanced civilization that's been secretly living in Tibet. The civilization then gives these three agents enhanced intellectual and physical abilities. So when they return home, they use their new superhuman powers to become the champions of law, order, and justice. That about does it for me, guys. Thanks so much for having me once again. ScreenRealm.com for all your latest movie and TV news and reviews, all that jazz. Oh, be sure to jump on the website to check out my review of No Time to Die and also check it out on YouTube as well. ScreenRealm.com. Catch you next week. While the city sleeps, every night he creeps, just surveying his domain. He roams around like he owns the town, he's the king, he makes that plain. He knows every trick, doesn't miss a lick when it comes to keeping fat. Some city slicker, no one is quicker than a bad Don cat. Every nook and cranny and garbage can he inspects so thoroughly. When he's on his rounds, nothing's out of bounds to his curiosity. He can smile and purr at a pretty hurt till she don't know where she's at. Nose like a geiger, oh, what a tagger. A bat don't Sly old codger, an artful dodger, a scrounger unsurpassed, a ball of fire, a nine live wire who just can't be outclassed. Yeah, this midnight rover, he lives in clover, it's an art he's got down the pat. I never was a greater smooth operator than a bat dog cat. Now our cat's been paid every accolade And he's earned all his acclaim In a blaze of glory He ends our story in the feline hall of fame But the way life goes in a year who knows From the family he begat You may wind up with one of Maybe the son of A bat darn cat about Don Cat. So now you've heard the tale I tell. That's T A L E, not T A I L. I'm talking about the tale of Bat Don Cat. I don't think that song needs any introduction. It's pretty self explanatory. That Don Cat, released in 1965. Starring Disney staples Hayley Mills, Dean Jones, and Roddy McDowell, and directed, of course, as we mentioned before, by the legendary Robert Stevenson, who he directed some absolutely sort of hallmark and iconic Disney movies over the years, including, you know, stuff from Mary Poppins to The Absent-Minded Professor and The Love Bug and Ben's favourite, Darby O'Gill, and The Little People. And The Little People. Yeah, he was my favourite director <laughs> for a very long time, simply because of my association with Disney movies. But who can forget the 1997 remake with Doug E. Doug and Christina Ritchie of That Darn Cat? I quite like that movie. It has uh, Michael McKean and Peter Boyle in it. 
Well, I don't really like them, but uh, oh. <laughs> I still like the film. <laughs> Unlike um, Robert Stevenson, Bob Spears only made three movies. <laughs> the other two were Spice World and Kevin of the North. Spice World? Bo- both excellent. I like Spice World a lot. I do. The Spice Girls movie? Yeah. yeah. Spice World? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I I loved that you when I was younger. Spin-off? It's just I did not. <laughs> no, no. I just wasn't. I honestly did not expect Spice World to come <laughs> To come up in, in our, that sentence. In our <laughs> Disney conversation. <laughs> yeah. That guy did direct a lot of um, TV, though, including The Goodies and The Press Gang and Absolutely Fabulous. So Bob Spears. Yeah. Bob Spears directed a lot of Press Gang. Yeah. A lot of stuff mm. in general. Sam, it's um, it's round two for you and I. Um, well, yep. Round one for me, really. I haven't, I haven't gone. No, yet. you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us with your next one. Okay. So the next one I hadn't seen before... Um, and I chose it because I hadn't seen it, so I could watch it and it'd be fresh. And it is John Carter. Oh, did you regret that decision? 2012. Actually, no. And I remember, I remember vaguely that people thought it was too long. Um, and, and yes, it is, it's two hours Mm. or just over two hours. And, um, but it, it's, it's very, it's kind of epic. It had, I mean, it it's had got, the weight of expectation on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that it's it's something. Well, it has every genre in it. Basically, it's got sci-fi, it's got action, it's got fantasy, it's got romance, comedy. Like it's got everything you could possibly western uh, in it, and and it was based from my memory <laughs> Edgar, is it a Edgar, book or Edgar Rice, no, Edgar Rice Burroughs novel yeah it's um it's a very novel. very yes. famous yes. sort of serial a, a serial a series yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah because I, I I wasn't sure if it was like a single book um or it was it was no, a, a lot more than that but that's why there was such yeah. expectation on this one and like yeah. they really yeah. had a lot to live up to I actually quite liked which, it. Which I didn't. Sense. I didn't mind it. I, yeah, it came at an interesting I, time too because there were like Disney. This is before those live action remakes of classic ones where they were pumping out stuff like yep. this and Lone Ranger and Prince of Persia. Yeah, they were they were sort of based on classic stories or you know, classic computer games. <laughs> yeah, in the case of Prince, Prince of Persia, Persia. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. They were trying at least yeah. to create something new yeah. as opposed to relying on something they've already done. Well, as as I I've. I've been researching a lot is Disney loves to uh, play on nostalgia. And um, so John Carter really fits in with that. And uh, obviously I haven't read mm-hmm. any of the books or, or the serials or anything. So um, going into it, not knowing anything, I actually really enjoyed it, but basically it's, it's about this guy, John Carter, obviously, name of the movie um who is from the western era but it's like uh around i think it's around the civil war uh yeah. he's a civil, yeah, the civil war, war era. He's a civil war colonel or something yeah and he he's looking for gold and he stumbles across um a cave that has this guy in it that's from another planet <laughs> And he gets transported to Mars that we know as Mars. Sounds but like for Monster them, Hunter. It's called... the loot <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for them, it's called Basum. Basum. And, uh, <laughs> and he. You're going to say, he, say, um, like, say it like 
Sorry. You encompass wonder in your voice. <laughs> yeah. Basoom. Basoom. Imagine you're James Earl Jones. Yeah, with John Rhys Davis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Mars, and I filled my caftan. <laughs> Mars, very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> That's how you have to. <laughs> As for John Rhys Davis, if you want to see Mars, you've got to get him a box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, it, it stars Taylor Kitsch, Lynn Collins and Willem Dafoe. Oh, which, so she, she, uh, she announces he... that one. Like, yeah. <laughs> Willem <laughs> Dafoe. <laughs> See, that's a great name. It, does. it is. <laughs> Just, it's a good name. Um, yeah. And he's the voice. He's of the, the, uh, alien species mm. of, of, yeah, of Mars and, um, I don't even know where to go. I, I don't think I need to explain anything else, no. really. It's it that's basically the premise. Um, but it's a it's, it's a high it's concept ep- film. It's an yeah. epic tale. Yeah, it's a full like. Um, it's like the fate of the planet hangs character. in the balance. And yeah. Well, also like notable, I think was this, was this an M-rated one because yeah. Disney at the time, straight after the the um, parts of the Caribbean movies, were starting to venture into the sort of harder edged sort of live action movies in Australia got M ratings. Yeah, well the PG thirteen. Yeah. Which PG-13, you know yeah. in America yeah. that's what they were all getting. So yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I, I I dig this little phase that Disney was going through and I think that movie mm. sort of benefits from time. I think it's better now if you go back and watch it in hindsight as opposed to the yeah. having that yeah. expectation yeah. on. It. I, 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 I think s- yeah. Oh sorry. Sorry Sam. No, I was just gonna say I think that that watching it later yeah. You, you have probably have more of appreciation for it. Yeah. I have to say, though, I do find it, I find it odd that they are going for this nostalgia kick with movies that not even parents of kids at the time would have been nostalgic over because yeah. it's like mm. these movies, the books I think were, were somewhere in the, like the 30s or 40s. Like they're around the Edgar, yeah. the Edgar Rice Burroughs, tar, like he also wrote Tarzan and yeah. um, he was a contemporary of Robert E. Howard. So that's like 30s and 40s. But that's how you keep the literature yeah. going. Oh, no, I understand that. Yeah. But but like for them to, it's like Underdog. Yeah. Like yeah. I know Underdog because I had a collection of TV theme songs. But Underdog was not a cartoon series that was really on TV yeah. when I was a kid. I get it. So you kind of mm. like who is who is this nostalgia it's for? It's like, like if I, they reboot Astro Boy. It was like what kid <coughs> of today's generation knows what Astro Boy knows Boys. who Astro Boy is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean there was that movie, yeah. right? Yeah, but, but I guess yeah. you know there are a lot of things that we probably came into as kids that our parents you know were into that we had no knowledge of that. You know, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I, 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 this stuff is it's a couple of generations yeah. past the nostalgia level. Yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's more it's more like they're trying to create the nostalgia of it rather than it yeah. being nostalgic. Yeah, telling kids that they should love this because yeah, you know, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I always yeah. I have to say I always preferred Carson of Venus, which was another series by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Mm-hmm. But what John John Carter Warlord of Mars, I actually like. I did kind of like this movie, but I always think that mm. the mistake they make is they make the the stakes too high. Like this movie yeah. is a, yeah. it's going to be the end of this world mm. unless he does yeah. something and. In the books and stuff, they're never like things happen, and it's important for one city or another. Like this, you know, one city may be destroyed, but it's not like the fate of the galaxy yeah. kind it's of okay thing. It's okay to be simple. Like it's okay yeah. to have these movies yeah. really simplified. Um, awesome choice. Do you have anything to add? I was just gonna say there was one thing that now I know you you know the books, Ben. I was just wondering, like, do they ever explain like the whole 
how can he breathe? Because they they talk about the fact that he can jump really high because of the gravity difference, yeah. but they never actually explain like the fact that he can breathe on Mars as well. And and it kind of bothered me when I was watching it because I'm like, how can they just explain away the fact that he can jump really it's far a big and throw really of far? Yeah. That one. Yeah, I, that's the only issue I, I had. Honestly, I, I don't think they they ever question it because this would have been before. Well before we'd ever travelled into outer space, mm. yeah, the yeah. books and stuff. So they just didn't matter. It's they wouldn't it's, have it's thought air. about it's that. another yeah. planet. Mm. It's another planet, but it still have it still has oxygen, even though yeah. the, you know gravity is different, but everything else is the same. Mm. Well, it's in, it's interesting then that they chose not to talk about it either <laughs> in the film. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, so yeah. long after. Hey, none of us have mm. been to Mars. Maybe we can breathe there. That's right. I'm pretty sure Matt Damon's been to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> But he couldn't jump. <laughs> he couldn't yeah. jump. But he yeah, and he couldn't breathe. He had to use his space suit. He, his so. space suit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can grow potatoes though. That's what we know. You can grow no, potatoes. Well, there we've got the setting for the next Darby O'Gill. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a good one, Sam. I'm glad you brought that one up. I'm glad you did. And I'm gonna um I'm gonna take you now both to East and West Germany. And a film that was made in 1982, and it's about the story of two men and their families who escape from East Germany into West Germany in a hot air balloon under the cloak of darkness. And it's a movie called Night Crossing. And um, mm-hmm. this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, both of my films here are going from that era of Disney where they um, they tell some unexpectedly dark stories. And, like, you know, you've got mm-hmm. stuff like A Straight Story and The Queen of Cutway was a recent one. And they're more adult kind of movies yeah uh so this one well back when they they still had faith enough in (laughs) in children that they could handle adult (laughs) concepts (laughs) wait till you hear how this one starts because this one is really dark for a disney movie um it it begins with some really really disturbing stuff with um a montage of people trying to cross the border zone and getting caught in the razor wire and then that's just sort of like real footage that they show and then it Mm. cuts to an actual scene of a teenager being gunned down by machine gun fire and then his family watching before being dragged away to their own execution. Like, that's how this Disney oh film gosh. starts. And it, wow. it sets a fantastic sort of um, you know, tone for the film. Um, and it does kind of um, switch into more of an adventurous story as the two men sort of covertly um, sew together a balloon in their house, you know, secretly. Uh, and then the, the final act of the movie is all about the actual escape, which, as I said, is based on a true story. Um, it's really suspenseful and the, the cast is great. John Hurt and Bo Bridges play the two guys and interestingly, they just use their own accents. There's no trying to be German. <laughs> they don't, do they do the um, Hunt for Red October thing where they just zoom, <laughs> zoom in on, on, Sean, on Sean Connery's mouth and then zoom out again? And, oh. No, they just, they just you know, we know where it's supposed to be and you know, we just believe yeah. that's who they are. And Jane Alexander and Glennis O'Connor in this one as well. Was dir- I like Jane Alexander. Yeah, it was directed by a guy called um, Delbert Mann whose other credits include Kidnapped, which was a Disney film with Gabrielle Byrne. Um, oh, not the one no, with Michael no, no, Caine. No, 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 sorry, the, the Michael Caine, Donald Pleasance one, I should say. Oh, the that, that kidnap, because there yes. there's the kidnap, which is the Treasure Island ripoff yes. with Gabrielle Byrne. Uh. Yeah, no, 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 I'm talking about the, the other one. Yes. the Highwaymen one with Michael Caine. And yeah. he directed <laughs> Fitzwilly with Dick Van Dyke and The Pink oh. Jungle with George Kennedy and James Garner. I always thought Fitzwilly and Candleshoe made a good kind of double feature because they're both about butlers. Mm-hmm. I thought um, that was a movie about uh, a condom, which is why Dick Van Dyke was in there and Fitzwilly. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> um, 
yeah, anyway, it's a great film, <laughs> Night Crossing. Uh, it was actually released sort of... Is there much condom talk in uh, Night Crossing there, Glenn? <laughs> Do they? No. 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 Is there any romance? No. Is there any romance in Night Crossing? There's a, there's a little bit. Oh, is there? Yeah. Between oh. between Jeff Bridges and John Hurt? Oh, no, that's the spin-off, Night, uh-huh. Night Cross Dressing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> two cross dresses attempt... <laughs> to, tra- to travel from the south of America to the north of America in a hot air balloon <laughs> while being chased by the clan. Yeah. <laughs> the original two Wong Fu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the memories, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> oh, God. oh, fuck. But it's um, Night Crossing is so good. I want everyone to add it to their list to watch if they haven't already seen it. It was remade or the story was retold, I should say, in a movie called Balloon a few years ago, which was in German. And that was a good one too. But really, I, I go back to Night Crossing. It's just it's pretty special stuff, especially knowing it's a Disney branded film. And it is on Disney Plus, I believe. It is on Disney Plus. Let's have a quick discussion about Disney Plus because it's this special, wonderful platform where you get all your Disney content and... I can't find shit on there. Like, I've got a, a shelf full of Disney titles that are not on that platform. That are not on there. But there is a lot of stuff that is on there. I literally put in Night Crossing into Disney Plus and I can't find it. <laughs> and then you said that. And I'm like, oh. Well, but having said that, I, I thought I saw the thumbnail. So, like, that's the other thing. Yeah. Do sure I type stuff in and it's not there? But if you scroll, it is. It's, you know. Yeah, that's. Yeah, a, I mean, I it is know. odd. Like the first time I looked at, I can't remember if I the first time I looked at it, it was on a computer rather than on like Apple TV. But mm. at the start, it did have a like a it had a whole section for classic Disney yeah. movies, and now when I look at it on Apple TV, that's gone, and it's just Mate, best Disney, luck if they, you find them. Disney Plus came along with the promise of every Disney movie ever made. Yeah. And there's so much that's not there. Yeah, I don't think that they put everything up straight away because they need to sustain their membership. It's been so, up, for, but the platform's been up for a long time. But they now. got it. They just well, add, two years add slowly. But, but have has, have, but, have either yeah. of you tried looking at Disney Plus with a VPN to see what's on the US one as I opposed bet, to I our bet one? It has everything. That's my point. Is that when it came to Australia, it was this great promise of having the whole catalog minus Song of the South. Yeah, the distribution rights is where it. Oh, but it, no, it's, Disney. Disney. it's tricky. Disney. It's all Disney. Disney owned Disney. No, but they they had to wait. They had to wait for, um, to put oh other uh, other channels uh, to for their yeah, rights. Yeah, yeah, they had to wait. There was one in particular yeah. that they actually. Said I, I understand that, that like, but that doesn't apply yeah. to the ones we're that talking about. Yeah, it does not to these old classic. No, no, ones of course, no, no, else. yeah. Like they yeah. should have. A, a tab on there for the magical world of Disney and have all of those movies that were made exclusively. That's what's so funny is that Mr. Boogity is on there, but not Mr. Boogity too. Yeah. And where is, oh, no, it's, I think Return of Boogity. Is it there? Yeah. It's retitled. Right. Okay. And, but Little Spies isn't there. Yeah. Brat Patrol wasn't there. No. Nothing personal. Uh, so not personal. Uh, the Leftovers wasn't there. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of stuff. I don't know. Are the flubbers there? Not the remakes, the original. I think the first Absol- flubber was, professor. well, the first, the, one with um, what's his name? Was? Fred McMurray. Is it Fred McMurray. Yeah, absent-minded professor, and then it was son of Flubber. Um, yeah. Anyway, look, I'm not impressed by the platform. I do have it, and I do scroll it a lot and watch things on it. But I just, I wish it was a, a completely, yeah. you know, comprehensive a Disney arc. But even even stuff like, because it was it um, is it down down and out in Beverly Hills and all the touchstone, like stuff. all the touchstone and Buena Vista, yeah, stuff that's not on there. Like the funny thing is, well, like, that, I, yeah. I think some of them I, are now, but. Only recently. I think, yeah, with, a, with the addition I of Star so. and stuff. Yeah, I think 
honestly, I think they're, they're trying to make more of a bigger deal whenever they put things out. So they're going to wait and make it like a, an event almost. Like, oh, we're we'll putting this slow, one now. Slowly roll it out. No, that makes sense, Sam. Yeah. I just, I don't subscribe yeah. to it. Well, it's hard yeah, to tell. No, it's not no. like there's an announcement. Mm. I, don't, I haven't seen any announcements yeah, I, of new titles being added. Unless it just it's seems Mandalorian to, or something like that. Like, yeah. you know, when it comes or to... Or a Marvel yeah. movie. When it comes to all the classic Disney movies we're talking about that, like... Who cares? Like, there's a lot of we care about these films, yeah. but other people are not mm. going to care about a fanfare. Like, and I could have sworn there mm. was, I, could, I didn't see it when I was looking this time around, but it was there at the start that um, the cowboy in Hawaii or whatever it is, the James Garner one. Mm. Like, I haven't, I didn't see that when I was looking, trying to find all the classic movies this time. Well, let's just hope oh, the executives okay. at Disney who landed on this episode <laughs> of the promise of like talking up Disney movies get to this part of the show. And take some notes. <laughs> yeah. What all your stuff on We want on there? more. <laughs> we just want it. We just want it. I want it now. None of this vault shit. <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> like I thought that the vault, the vault, the Disney vault stuff was over. <laughs> no, we're going to take it off for seven years. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We're going to talk about classic Disney live action. And everyone's... telling Ben to kiss our ass. <laughs> And every pick is going to be the great that darn cat. I actually do have one of my favorite ones. It's a fond memory I have of my mother and I going to the movies after my parents split up. And uh, I ended up crying in the movie theater. It got to me so much. It's a classic live Disney movie. That's a remake of a classic live Disney movie. It's Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, which was based on The Incredible Journey, where two dogs and a cat have to fight, you know, find their way home because they get lost and came out in 1993. And Don Amici is the voice of one of the dogs, Sally Field. Is the is the voice is the voice of the cat sassy uh, Don Amici voices Shadow and Michael J Fox is Chance the young dog is blah, 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 blah. and it stars the great Robert Hayes you know who gave us that movie Airplane you guys remember Airplane yeah Airplane like made Airplane. me cry too so anyway I just remember being in a theater in London Kentucky and this is a spoiler for anybody. But when when the dog comes over the hill and we, you know, he's not shadows, not dead. You guys remember this? Oh, no, I, I that's just actually, broke down. Crying. That's what I remember of that film. I can't tell you what happens in the middle. I remember the very beginning. Broke and I remember down cats rule, rule and, and dogs, dogs drool. drool. No, I, I learned that lesson from the underrated cats versus dogs. I will give you one other piece of trivia about this film, gentlemen. Michael J. Fox was not the first person to voice that dog. It was John Cryer. It was John, it was John Cryer. Well, that'd been funny if it had been Eric <laughs> Stoltz. It was John Cryer. And he said he had a cold and they wiped away all of it. He brought in Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox is the closer for Hollywood. Who's up next, Chad? Yeah, go, I'll Chad. go. So I have not... In terms of classic, so I'm a fan of the one Joe mentioned because it's late 90s. But when I think of classic, I think of, you know, 60s and 70s live action. And those movies, my mom constantly tried to feed me. And I was never a fan of them. I could not stand watching them. I won't give it a list because I don't want to ruin Glenn's uh, discussion of it. But the one that I actually loved and could not get enough of was Escape to Witch Mountain. Escape to Witch Mountain, uh, starring uh, Eddie, I mean, the cast, Eddie Albert, Don Pleasance. Dwayne Ray The Rock Mil Johnson. No, I've not seen that one. I refuse to. Um, and even Ray Milan and Denver Pyle, for God's sakes. It's all about these two kids 
They're orphans. They have weird, extraordinary powers, and uh, they're trying to be exploited by a billionaire. Um, but they're trying to get to this mountain, and this older man, played by Eddie Albert, hand gets them. He's and tried to get them in his van with the yes, candy. It's literally a van. I know. <laughs> with really good candy, Chad. This movie's dot dot turning out to what we thought hoped. And then, of course, in the remake, who did they replace Eddie Albert with? Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That that works perfectly, everybody. So yeah, uh, escape to which escape to which mountain? Don't watch the remake. Watch the original. Very much enjoy it, James. I, I've actually got about two or three I could name, but uh, Blackbeard's Ghost is behind me, as they like to point out. <laughs> Blackbeard's Ghost is it's it's just a spot in my childhood. It was, and by the way, I love the fact so that classics. Sorry, I, I love the fact that Disney classic films. So many of them are. Well, there's this great fantastic event going on, like oh, I invented something that can create constant motion, flubber, or I I found this ghost of a pirate that has to do a good deed to help people. And what are we going to use that for? That's right, high school or college sports. Well, but yeah, that's, that's basically Blackbeard's ghost. He to to cross over to the other side. He has to do a good deed. A professor finds him, and he's going to save their sports team. It doesn't really make much sense, but it's a lot of fun. The other one that I did want to mention, and I'm amazed neither of you talked about it, because it stars the Lawrence Olivier of film. Don Knotts, how and Tim, how did y'all not think about the apple dumpling game? It's actually not on my list. One it's of my not on favorites. my list. I didn't care for it. Honestly, the one I really kind of wish I'd went with instead of the one I did was Fly to the Navigator. Apple Dumpling Gang still, either it or the sequel has one of my favorite comedy scenes of all time where they get in the argument with the judge, where the judge says, We're so tired of dealing with you all. Next time you all come, bring your own rope to hang yourselves with. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun. And before we wrap, Ben, I'm sorry I told you to kiss my ass. Just suck my toe. I'll be all right. Bye. He did say toe. A minute ago, Ben, you mentioned the Disney Vault. Let's talk about that for a minute. So that's a, a marketing strategy that Disney had where they'd release their films every seven years. Yeah, and then they would withdraw them. They would come out for a brief period on on uh, home video. home video, and then they would disappear, and then you would see ads in the trading post for, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> oh, you want to. And they did it with um, the, the Olsen twin movies as well. Yeah. So you, the you know, Lion King would come out, and then it'd be going for three or four hundred dollars on tape, on, but, on uh, in the trading But people like post. Ben and I who ran video stores, like we had to seize the opportunity to buy plenty of copies to get us through seven years. Because people would yeah. pinch them. Yeah, they were a hot commodity. And... Well, kids' tapes were always trashed. Yeah, more so than more so than anything other than maybe the pornos. <laughs> <laughs> they would get trashed. But then do you remember they also had on top of that the Disney Club, which was where some of they the still rare... The, they still have the Disney do Club. Do they? Some of the rarer sort of live action films um, had inflated prices and they were pressed to order. And I do have quite a few of them. Stuff um, like The Treasure of Matacomb is one that I have that I love. But to buy that, I had to exclusively get it from the Disney Club and then spend something like 60 maybe $70 for it. It came in good packaging, and even though it was a pressed to water, it was a good looking disc. But yeah, mm. so that was another thing that you know they love taking wow. your money. Well, the that Disney. was that that was up until the Disney Plus platform launched. That was still that still existed because that was the only way you could get Mister Boogity mm. was on that mm. Disney Club thing. Same with Little Spice, and you had to get it from the US. 
and pay the outrageous shipping and yep. yeah, the shipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Disney know how to exploit their fans. Yeah. <laughs> But can we talk about some more of those live-action remakes for a moment as well? What do you guys make of those? Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I could take or leave them. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, I, I think I've, yeah. I've really loved a couple of them and then the rest have been pretty average as far as I'm concerned. I just don't really think of them. I didn't. Um, uh, like, I appreciate the effort and I appreciate the creativity. Um, but I well, actually, you know, I think I, I enjoyed the Jungle Book the most. Really, probably. That's interesting. Yeah, I. I but the obviously the Lion King was basically the exact same. Oh, that was just, trash. Just looked looked different. I hated um, it. I, I really disliked most oh, of really? them. I loved though yeah. the Pete's Dragon remake. I thought was excellent, and that's mainly because oh, it it that. really strays from the original. Like it's not really a remake mm. other than the title. And maybe loosely yeah. the premise, but that was also directed by David Lowry, who did a ghost story and the new Green Knight, and he's, I think he's doing the next Peter Pan as well. Um, so mm. there was like it felt more Indian art house that one. Um, yeah, but I did I like I did like one. Cinderella too, the one that that Kenneth um, Branagh directed. That was good. Uh, Cinderella yeah. too. <laughs> Cinderella also. <laughs> ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was a like. I mean, I know you love your sequels. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, do you remember that phase of Disney when Michael Eisner um, did yeah. the whole "Let's do a lot of sequels direct to DVD"? Well, a lot of them were made. A lot of them were made here, like Lion yeah. King three and Timon and Pumbaa three. and all yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. They were mm. all done. A lot of the animation work was done here. Yeah, it was. A, mm. It was a real genius move on his part to get Disney back up. But um, you know, people make fun of those sequels, but save Disney. We wouldn't have Disney now if it wasn't for those. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like they yeah, were bad. Crazy. No, they were good quality. Were no, like, no, the yeah. Aladdin yeah, sequels yeah. were great. Yeah, Return <laughs> of Jafar and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah they were great. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and they went meta. Remember, like Lion King three took place within Lion King one, but from a different perspective. Yeah, and and then oh, Cinderella. Yeah. I think three was like a twist in time where, once again, it takes place within the same the first movie, but like they go through time and something changes. It's like they alternate the, oh. the future yeah. of the series. I don't think I ever got to the third ones. Well, I think, I think I always got to like the second, but I never got to the third. I find them interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Should we get back into recommendations? I'm going to take the first one. All right. Okay. So mine is another sort of unexpectedly uh, dark movie. Uh, in fact, like, um, like, Night Crossing, it was released under the Walt Disney Pictures banner. So the poster and the, the DVDs had the Walt Disney logo at the top, but it had presents and a line beneath it, which kind of signified it was much more uh, of a, I guess, an adult kind of mature it's, film. Are you doing Priest? Is it Priest? No, I'm not doing, doing Priest. priest. <laughs> <laughs> Is that no Miramax? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think actually the theatrical poster for the one I'm about to talk about had the Disney banner removed and re instated for the home entertainment release um but anyway it is never cry wolf from 1983 starring charles martin smith who was the geeky guy from the untouchables you may remember Um, yes i prefer to reference him as the director of (laughs) airbud 
Um, and it also starred Brian Dennehy. And this is an absolutely stunning film. And it is on Disney Plus. And I do recommend everybody track it down and, and watch it. It's about a government biologist who is sent to the far reaches of the Canadian Arctic to study the caribou populations. And because there's a belief that those populations are dwindling um, because of wolf attacks and things like that. So this guy, he's a city slicker and he, he hops on a flight and he's taken out to the um, to like a massive uh, frozen lake by Brian Dennehy. And, um, he's Couldn't left, ask for a better pilot. He's left in the middle of this lake um, <laughs> realising that he packed completely inappropriately. So as a city slicker, he packed trunks upon trunks of things that he probably should have left behind and had more important supplies. And but Brian Dennehy, you know, warns him that you know you're not going to survive with this. How are you even going to get it off the ice? And he's too smart for Brian Dennehy. He's like, I'll figure it out. So Brian Dennehy, you know, legs it. He's out. And then this guy's left for twelve months in the middle of the frozen Arctic with nothing because those supplies are useless to him. So then he has. To, it's a survivalist film. He has to figure out how he's going to survive with no food and no clothes that are appropriate and no hair. <laughs> he had hair how back he, then. How does he keep his <laughs> noggin warm? <laughs> but a, a, an Inuit man eventually finds him and leads him to shelter, and it's a little bit of a dances with wolves kind of you know parallel going on there. Um, yeah, look, I highly recommend it. Its most memorable aspect is probably the fact that he does learn to live off a diet of frozen mice, and there's lots of oh. scenes of him just biting into whole mice. Wow. Yeah, that are frozen. He has like a little fridge. He's dug a little hole with a wooden door where he keeps his mice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's, but it is like as gross as that sounds, it is a really beautiful film. And, and I, you know, I, I want to watch it again now just talking about it. I like it that much. But as a kid, it I was, was like. I thought you wanted to eat mice right now. <laughs> as a kid, it was a bit like White Fang where it was like really dark. And I'm like, oh, this is, I don't know how I feel about this. Do you remember White That's Fang a- had a corpse coming out of a bloody coffin? And that was yeah. really terrifying. <laughs> I don't like any of the movies that Disney movies about dogs. I love them. Because they always, there's always bad things happening to the dogs. Yeah, I love them though. Mm. Like, um, what was it? Journey of Natty Gan and. Iron Will. And what was it? the one Snow Day. recently, which no. I don't think is Disney, but that one with um, Harrison Ford, Call of the Wild. Call of the Wild. Yeah, it oh, felt very yeah. much like a Disney film. Anyway, that's my second recommendation. I may, I want all of you to watch it. I want you to take notes and come back and talk to me about it. <laughs> it says it says on the poster a true story. I believe it, I believe it was based story. on a biography, oh. and I believe there may be a documentary about that somewhere. Oh, okay. On the oh. disc. Man, <laughs> I don't think so. It's an extra feature that you didn't bother to watch because you watched it on streaming. I've got the DVD, got the thank t- you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's in the garage. It's not in the house. So you, you so what, you'd, never go, you'd never go out there to get it. <laughs> it's just too far. Can't be bothered. Step up, biatch. All right. Well, funnily enough, I'm going to go with the one that uh, is... <laughs> probably the most closely associated with my taste in film (laughs) Disney movie of all time. It's from 1980. It's called Midnight Madness. And it is Disney's version of a teen sex comedy (laughs) without, (laughs) without the sex real. Well, kind of, but not really. (laughs) And it's all about it, man. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's basically a treasure hunt movie yep. where it's set in a college campus where this, um, it's this, I don't know who this guy is and why they listen to him at all, but there's this kind of like super nerdy guy uh, whose name I can't remember, but he is the, he's like the quiz master Eddie who Deason? spent, no, it's not Eddie Deason. Oh. No, he's one of the contestants. Right. 
where he he's he looks like um he looks like Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, and he's there. Funny enough, and he's got these two lovely assistants played by uh, Kirsten Baker from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and uh, Deborah Richter. <laughs> And they're like the movie. So the movie starts and it's a college campus and they're and Kristen Baker and Deborah Richter are wearing like short shorts and tight tops and they're on roller skates and they just, they skate around the campus going to these select five people or four, four people, I think. And they hand them invites to come to this place at a certain time. And it's, so Eddie Deason is one. Uh, and he's like the nerd, like he brings the nerds. There's a there's a, and there's a couple of people I I don't know. There's a football player. There's a jock, and he comes with like he's because he so he's the yeah, the jock. There's um David Norton from American Wolf in London, <laughs> and he's like the kind of everyman kind of one. He's like a psych major, and then there's a, there's this a girl from one of the sororities, but they're like they're like the weird sorority, like the house bunny type sorority where they're all outcasts and. Yep. At the start of the at the start of the thing, when they get their invite, they're holding a pledge thing, and they uh, finally they're like, "We finally may get more than five members," <laughs> and then the jocks bust in and and uh, they squirt everyone with a with a fire hydrant or something like that, and it ruins the whole thing. But <laughs> they come to Leon's uh, like gathering where he challenges them to this um, treasure hunt, and they have to solve. They have to. He gives them a clue. And it goes all night, and they have to go to the next. They have to. The clue leads them to a location where, then, in the location, they have to solve a puzzle to find the next clue, figure out where the next location is, and so on and so forth. And they're competing against each other, and they get to choose their own five teammates. So yep. the jock, of course, gets the football team. Mm-hmm. The sorority gets the girls from her sorority. Uh, David Norton just picks these like a kind of outcast, including a very young Michael J. Fox who plays his younger brother in the film with awesome. braces and the whole the whole works. And he's like a like a snot nosed little turd <laughs> in it. Um, and Eddie Deason brings the, all the computer nerds, yeah. who like you know, and it's it, it is a lot of fun. And they go through, there's all sorts. And Stephen First, that's right. Stephen First is like the rich kid whose um, dad. He's like a he's he's a real asshole. Like he's a real piece of work. Stephen First <laughs> in this, he's a real jerk. And he's constantly the, the the introduction of his character is he's sitting at a at a um, like a fast food joint, like a roller skate, mm-hmm. where they or they're on roller skates and they serve you on roller skates, and he's he's got his like his food is like on a the side panel of the car, and he's just grabbing fistfuls of it <laughs> and kind of cramming it in his mouth, and he's honking the horn and yelling for the girl. When the girl comes, he just slams his hand on his tray and sends all the food flying, <laughs> and yet he's still got a, a handful of chips that he just like. Throws in, in his own car He's really I'm He's hinged. really weird But he is like The funny thing is Even though he's like A complete jerk Like he is It's very much a um, Dan Aykroyd type Character from Trading Places Ah uh, yeah Like the, all his friends Are kind of super snotty Yet they all hate each They like, They're all like frenemies They all yeah, hate yeah. each other Yet mm. They're friends And it, it's gonna say He sounds like George Costanza Yeah no No he's like He, he no, he's, he's he's definitely more like Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places. Excellent. But he's just like this fat jerk who's got an overbearing father who thinks he's a waste of space, which he he totally is. Uh, <laughs> and he cheats the whole way, and he gets a he gets possibly the coolest like Ford Transit van type car with a computer in it uh, that I've ever seen in my entire life, and I desperately want now. 
uh, to kind of compete in the in the competition, which he uses to ruthless like the computer figures out all of the clues and they and then at one point of course the uh, computer breaks down and he has to go into full cheat mode. But it's, there's there's some great there's some great bits and pieces in this movie. It is a lot of fun. It is missing nudity, but it is a Disney movie, so <laughs> it's understandable. I literally saw like two of the characters' names is Barf and Blade. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like that that says a lot. I think they're both jocks. <laughs> yeah. Hello and happy Monday, friends. I'm Chloe from Movie Night with the Richie Girls, and I am just so, so, so incredibly happy to be talking Disney today. Although you'll know it was a super, super, super hard time having to narrow down a choice. So Glenn, Ben, we're going to have to revisit this topic because there are so many that I could be talking about right now. But ultimately, I decided to go with just a wonderful adventure classic that some would call a national treasure. (laughs) Now, I dare you to ask anyone if they don't like this movie. And I would honestly be dumbfounded to find out if they didn't. It's, It's literally so much fun. Plus, you know, John Voight. Harvey Keitel, Sean Bean, hello. Spoiler alert, it's nice to watch a movie where I know that Sean Bean won't die. Now, Benjamin Franklin Gates, played by the superb Nicolas Cage, is from a family of treasure hunters who have been chasing the treasure, um, founded and kept a secret from the world by the Knights Templar and later on the Freemasons. Ben, his love interest, his sidekick and the bad guy, aka Sean Bean, race to see who can figure out the ancient maps and the clues first. This is literally the perfect movie for a movie night. It's funny, it's exciting, it's adventurous, it's imaginative, it's smart, there aren't any sex scenes and there's barely, if any, swearing. So it's literally perfect choice for a family movie night isn't a cartoon which for me is important because there's only so many times you can watch Frozen and uh, Moana as great as they are you know my only criticism about this movie is that I would have preferred Justin Barther who played the witty sidekick Riley to be a little bit more well witty he was funny yes but I really feel like he could have leaned into his character a little bit more I feel like his performance was kind of lacking and I kind of wished he'd played up the quirkiness that the tech-savvy, nerdy character needed. And if I'm imagining the perfect person who could have taken this character to the next level, it would be someone like, I don't know, Seth Green or Justin Long or even like a dorky Miranda Hart type. But hey, I am no Disney casting director, although I should be. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> something I loved about National Treasure, apart from all the obvious, of course, was Diane Kruger's performance. Now, you could tell from the get-go that she was intrigued about Ben Gates and what he was up to. She played the intrigued but professional character really well. So when she did decide to tag along on the adventure, her character didn't do a complete 180 and spring another character on the audience, which I feel like happens a lot in these types of movies. Diane, she plays an academic superbly, and I was happily convinced with her performance. A+. And this movie gives off Pirates of the Caribbean adventure vibes crossed with technology and a super deep dive into conspiracies and includes interpretations of American history. So the nerd in me is just totally and completely captured by this movie. 
National Treasure had my full-blown attention, which is hard to do after a grueling night shift, and that speaks volumes to me. So long story short, I absolutely love this movie. This has been my completely almost one-sided opinion, and just to make it clear, I cannot wait to revisit Disney again already. Happy Monday, my friends. How about um, Disney movies that are based on Disneyland attractions? There's a few of those. I know, Sam, you recently talked about The Haunted Mansion. Mm. Um, and yes. Ben and I both love Jungle Cruise. But there's some other ones that they've um, they've made based on theme uh, park attractions. You've got Pirates of the Caribbean being the obvious one. Then Tower of Terror with Steve Guttenberg and Kirsten Dunst. What about Tomorrowland? Mm-hmm. Am I the only person on earth that really, really likes that one? I think so. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Don't forget the country bears. Yeah. <laughs> country bears house go boom. That's the best part of that movie. That's a terrible walking impression, but it's a terrible he, movie. He does say that in the film. Uh, scroll back through our podcast way, way back. I did a, an episode of What the Fuck Was That about the country bears. Yeah. Um, and did you know, not many people do, that Brian De Palma's mission to Mars is based on a Disneyland attraction. I thought you were going to say Brian De Palma's blowout is based on a <laughs> Disney attraction. I'm like, that's a fucked up ride. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that happens in Epcot when the lights go down. So yeah, it's one of the Epcot. Late night. Yeah, I have no experience with those rides. I never been. I've never been to Epcot. I only well, went to the real. Mission Disneyland. to Mars is an attraction that was at Disneyland and Disney World, but that closed down. I think in the 70s, like it's an old one. Right. And um, uh. but that is the basis of that movie, which I don't believe was released as a Disney movie. It, it was a complete adult science fiction movie that was just um under maybe Touchstone or something. Yeah. Right. Mm. Can you explain to me what Buena Vista is? Because even a lot of these classic. Disney movies. It's just another. It's um, Buena Vista presents. Like yeah. Buena Vista is the. It's still Disney. Yeah, it is Disney. Mm. But is it is what what does what is Buena Vista? Yeah, what what um, constituted a Buena Vista title? Like as what, opposed yeah, to what a Disney is it? One? I think it was a different arm of dis, of like home entertainment. But you, that's a good yeah. question, and I'm gonna. Pad, I I'm gonna pad the air while um while he googles that. Well, I'm just trying. To <laughs> I always Vista. thought that it was like a way of Disney bringing out movies that weren't necessarily directly going to be associated yeah, with it the was, Walt Disney it was name. a little bit of protection, that's All for right, sure. I'll, yeah. I'll read the, yeah. I've, got, I brought up the, I've got the Wikipedia page here, okay. so I can read it from you. Buena Vista, Spanish for good view, is a brand name that was historically often used for divisions and subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company, whose primary studios, the Walt Disney Studios, are lo- located in Buena Vista Street in Burbank, California. The studio lot is also home to the company's corporate headquarters, the Team Disney Burbank building. The logos uh, for the various Buena Vista brands feature the Buena Vista wordmark superimposed over the Disney Castle image and uh, image to signal the affiliation between Buena Vista and Disney. But it doesn't really uh, go into what constituted uh, a Disney. Hang on. Mm. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to read the whole page, but now you've... Uh, okay, I will. The brand was originally used for the Buena Vista Film Distribution Company by Walt Disney in 1953 after the release of Peter Pan to distribute his film and television productions, thus ending a 16-year affiliation with RKO Pictures. Some films were distributed by RKO until 56 because of pre-existing contracts. Disney semi-retired the Buena Vista name in May 2007 and the company was designated Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. Okay, so it was just Disney. So it was it was yeah. Disney's distribution arm. Yeah. Because I mean, because um, what else did I watch for this? I watched um, a bit of like uh, three, the Last Man on the Mountain. That's yeah. a Buena Vista yeah. title. Mm. Um, 
I think Candleshoe is Buena Vista. So there was there sure. was an association most viewers at the time would have had that if it's a Buena Vista release, it was just a Disney movie. Yeah, well, I think Buena Vista was just the the home the home distribution title. Like yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah although, apart, like se- separate from yeah. being being a production company, yeah. it was the distribution. I think because yeah. I watched um, Treasure Island as well, Disney's mm. Treasure Island, and that was Buena Vista. Yeah, and I remember some of the older logos for Buena Vista as well. Mm. Yeah, well, fascinating. We educate you as well as entertain you. By educate, by educate, <laughs> you mean we read the Wikipedia? Correct. Uh, yes, correct. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a big elephant in the room, and and that has to be um, Rocket Man from '97. Is it? <laughs> yeah, because that's like a movie I talk about all the time and I think is one of the funniest <laughs> movies of all time. That's top five comedies of all time in my books. Is Rocket Man. Yep, with Harlan Williams. It is a bang for buck comedy where every single joke lands on the mark, bullseye. It is that good. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I'm it's looking like... I'm looking it up. And it also happens to be one of our most viewed videos on oh. YouTube where Harlan Williams did a narration of the trailer for us. Right. Exclusively for Fake Shemp. So... Yeah, look that up. That's fun. Yeah. Had geeky, a geeky, geeky spacecraft designer. <laughs> he's a, he's, Travel to Mars. Yeah, he's a guy that um, is an engineer, but he's a bumbling engineer, very Jerry Lewis style. I was going to say, it's, it's a Don Knotts movie. Yeah, he gets, post um, Don yeah. Knotts. he gets recruited to join the space program when one of the astronauts gets ill and it's either cancel the mission or get this guy. Yeah. And much to William Sadler's you know, <laughs> disdain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very funny, particularly all the training montages that he has to go through. It's just, it's very classic yeah. Disney, but... Harlan Williams, as you will, he, he will tell in that video, um, he rewrote the film entirely and, you know, oh, wow. yeah, right. re- retrofitted it to his brand, which Disney wanted at the time. Does he does he mention six minute abs? Was <laughs> <laughs> it seven minutes? No, six minutes. What what about five minute abs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, step into my office because you're fucking fired. <laughs> but Rocket Man makes me think of some of those more random, obscure sort of Disney comedies that they put out too, like Meet the Deedles. Meet the Deedles, what a classic. Odd. Oh, um, yeah. Then you had what, Mr. Magoo. Just came well, they they can't all be winners, Glenn. Yeah. Splash 2. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember um, more recently with Steve Carell, there was Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, Not Very Good Day. And that was mm. freaking great. I remember oh, that, like it? hearing about that movie and going, why it have is, I never heard of it? It is yeah. good. It is funny as. Uh, not so funny as Snow Dogs. That was pretty average. Uh, the Big no. Green. Remember that? The no. fat kid from the Sandlot. <laughs> no? I do. I remember the fat kid. Black uh, Blank Check. I do remember Blank Check. That oh, was a big movie. Check. That was a big movie <gasps> on home entertainment. Isn't that the one that had controversy well, over Boswell the fact that that a, a like an older Osworth? woman, <laughs> an older woman, um, was seducing the child. Oh, yeah, movie. that's pretty controversial. Because oh, he it? was rich. Yeah. Sounds, sounds yeah. legit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Inspector Gadget. I liked Inspector da, 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 da. Gadget too I much liked... more. Of course you did. It's the yeah, only well, time that phrase has ever been spoken. You know uh, what? Inspector Gadget 2 <laughs> think... was much truer to the cartoon. <laughs> I the think French one. Stewart is a superior <laughs> actor to Matthew Broderick. No, but I think... I don't think Said that... no one ever, including French Stewart's mum. I don't think that Claw... <laughs> Should have ever spoken in that first movie or had his face shown. Well, he shouldn't have had his face shown. Uh, the movie's terrible. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but, yeah. but Inspector Gadget 2 ain't no. Uh, I didn't Oscar say it was great. Either. I said it was better. I said I enjoyed it more. I liked Inspector Gadget. Thank you, Sam. But I was also a child at the time. <laughs> but <laughs> Thank I, you, I Sam. Liked it. <laughs> 
I am nothing but if a child at heart. Thank you very much. I'm not even going to talk about Jungle to Jungle because you don't deserve it. <laughs> oh, I liked Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen and Triple M with another good movie Monday recommendation. This week we are doing live action Disney films and it's a good time to be a fan of anything Disney because now you've got this streamer right in your lounge room and you can basically watch anything that they've ever made. It is an embarrassment of riches. Uh, what is happening with that is that they are disrupting the theatrical model as well and they are blending and blurring the line between what is theatrical and what is home release. You've got series now, you know, on Disney Plus that are as good as anything that you could lay your eyes on in the cinema. So one of those movies that has kind of, you know, straddled that double thing, got a theatrical release and then was come, you know, and what people could choose to watch it at home was Cruella. And if you had said to me that a prequel uh, origin tale of how Cruella Deville came to be as she is would be one of my favourite movies of the year. Uh, I would have laughed in your face. I would have been like, I don't, <laughs> I can't even comprehend how that can happen. Now, the reason why I am so surprised by this film is the creative team behind it. So Australian director Craig Gillespie, uh, who is just going honestly kind of from strength to strength as a director and gave us an excellent film with I, Tonya. He is at the helm here and he is joined, uh, you know, by Tony McNamara, a writer here who gave us the favourite. So if you liked that acid tongue kind of, you know, thriller of emotion, that's what he is imbuing here in this movie. He is elevating it. Now, Cruella as a film, I mean, this movie is wild looking. It is absolutely gorgeous. All of the Disney live action films, whether you think that they work narratively or not, you can't kind of argue with the craft that is going up there on the screen. And this movie is just drop dead gorgeous. It is a little bit busy in the, fir in the th like first act. I will give you that. I was like, okay, where is this movie going? When is it going to find its groove? But it does when it puts the two Emmas, that's Emma Stone as Cruella and Emma Thompson as the Baroness against each other. And it pits these two women in this, you know, battle of wills within the fashion industry. And then it's accompanied with a bunch of like really wild inventive action sequences. And the movie operates, you know, kind of like a heist film, um, you know, but with the most gorgeous, you know, costume production design and incredible needle drops as well. So I, on my Think My Triple M review, I made a really big call and said that Cruella might have the best film soundtrack of all time. Uh, you're probably scoffing as I say that right now, but if you go and have a look at the track listing and you just see how many wild needle drops this movie has, it, you know, to steal the language of the youngins, it's a vibe. And by the time that, you know, I had finished watching, you know, Emma Stone just own the screen in this role, I had, you know, was jazzed up by the music. I was like, you know, absolutely fully entrenched in this movie. I just, you know, I really, really loved it. I've revisited it two, three times and that's not even with having kids around. So I guess that I really, really do like Cruella. So I think that this one is gonna be hovering around or peak just into my top 10 films of the year when I compile my list. Um, but yeah, so if you had, you know, I can understand you looking at the poster and going, do I really need to see this? And the answer is yes. So get over your own bias, chuck on Cruella. It's on Disney Plus now. It is an excellent film and I hope it surprises you as much as it surprised me. We're in the home stretch now, and Ben, um, we're going to be sensible, as I said, with this week's Letterboxd. Um, would you like to tell people where they can find that? Uh, on Letterboxd. <laughs> what do they look for? <laughs> people don't know what Letterboxd is, mate. Letterboxd, Letterboxd is a website that uh, lets you list <laughs> films and review them. <laughs> and uh, you look for Good Movie Monday on Letterboxd, <laughs> and you'll find 
a list of every movie that we have talked about. Not every movie. Although Glenn's <laughs> been getting a bit cheeky. We were down to like six or seven in the last couple of weeks. He's been pumping up the numbers with movies we've barely mentioned just for shits and giggles. So Muggins here at six o'clock on a Monday morning gets to list them all on the site. And because I have the memory of a goldfish, I can't remember which are which. And I'm like, I know we didn't talk, did we talk about this one. I can't remember. I better put it down just in case. I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit here and remind people this is pre-recorded and he had plenty of time to add them to Letterbox. It doesn't no. have to be Monday morning. I can't do it. I have to do it on the day. Otherwise, people will know ahead of time what we're talking about on the show. Can't you save the fucking thing? Schedule it? I, th- I think you can save it as a draft. I'm not sure. Oh, there are ways there's around no, this, There's no scheduling on that. <laughs> it's not that advanced. Ben and I are going through a divorce fear, a period right now. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an opportunity I'm to... <laughs> an opportunity to, um, to have any final call-outs. I've been doing all the call-outs. If there's any more you guys want to bring into it, um, here's your chance. Have a think about it. The first one I'm going to do is Ivan, the one and only. Hang on, you just, you just said, you guys can do it. I'm, I've been doing it all episode. You guys go, <laughs> but. I am giving you time to think about a question I didn't prep you for. So Brian Cranston made one called Ivan, the one and only, which I really enjoyed recently. Ben, go for it. I don't have any. C. What about you, Sam? Any you want to add to it? Yes. Man of the house. <laughs> we just talked about it. <laughs> no, we didn't. That was off mic. <laughs> off mic, we talked about Man of the House, which I love. And it was, I think I watched it a million times when I was a kid. I think Chevy Chase is probably one of my favorite actors of that, that time period. Um, oh, I think you may have won yeah. yourself a brand new fan. Um, we know somebody <laughs> close to the show that adores that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, who? Well, no, we're not gonna. Are we gonna? We're gonna name and shame. <laughs> I was not listening. I was trying to look up quickly to look up Disney movies. So I don't know what you're talking about or who you're talking about. He will make his presence known on social media. I have no doubt about yeah. that. Um, I want to <laughs> drop in the odd life of Timothy Green. I think that was a pretty good one with um the was it Edgerton? Was it Nash Edgerton? No, not Nash Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. Did you see that one? Oh. Yeah. No, I remember the poster. Do you know what I, I think I ever saw it? Oh, okay. Oh, Ben just—I've got one. Oh, that wasn't a heart palpitation. No. Nope. <laughs> Go <laughs> for it. A little heart attack. I forgot to bet you, Emil and the Detectives. What a fucking cracker of a Disney movie, <laughs> based on like a Swedish kind of like kid detective series. Mm. It is fantastic. Haven't it's seen like, it. Haven't seen it. This no. kid Emil gets sent from his like country town into. I think it's in Sweden. Like, I think he goes into like Stockholm or something, into the major city when he's got um, like 50 krona or something tattooed, uh, not tattooed, uh, pinned into the inside of his jacket. And he's going to visit his grandmother and he's going to give her the money to help her out with the rent or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, and his, his uh, mother sends him. And while he's on the train, there's this kind of sneaky, kind of creepy, pickpockety type guy who spots the money pinned inside his. Um, jacket and pinches it from him and so when Emil gets to the city he realizes he's lost the money and he's desperate he can't tell his grandmother that he doesn't have it but he meets this kid I'm pretty sure the kid's name is Gustav um, who has this network of kids that kind of roam the city and they they join together and they go on the hunt for this guy it is it is excellent I remember I read the books as a kid 
I love this movie. Well, you've done it to it yourself because that's gone on Letterbox, mate. <laughs> oh, and the happiest millionaire. I forgot about yeah. that one. Fred McMurray singing and dancing. They've, he's like a he's a millionaire and he's got crocodiles for pets or alligators or whatever <laughs> they are. And um, Tommy Steele is his butler and uh, Leslie Ann Warren. Leslie Ann Down. I can always get those two uh, mixed my up. My theory is if you spend more than 20 seconds talking about it, it goes on Letterbox. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm quite happy for the happiest millionaire to... Uh, I tried to. I pushed. I pushed hard to get the, the one of the happiest millionaire songs included in this episode, and I was rebuffed. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that. Uh, well, I, I thought that I always loved Bun, uh, Benji the Hunted, but I watched it again in preparation for this show, and I've never been more bored in my life. It is yeah. boring as batshit. I just remember that. The, when did you watch it? Last week. No, I mean. Originally. Before that, oh, when, when did it you got released, it? it was a big deal. When that got uh, released, was, Benji the Hunter was huge. It was huge. It was trailered on every Disney tape. Oh, but the cinemas and it have was the played trailers. on TV yeah. constantly. Yeah, it was a huge deal. Uh, Condor Man was good. Um, far Off Place with Reese Witherspoon. That's one. Do you of remember this forget. one called uh, The Treasure of uh, Madicum? <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird word, <laughs> though, Madicum. Madicum. Mate, come. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what about Peach Dragon? What is that? Does that oh, Sam, oh, the don't bring the episode down. I like the Santa Claus too. <sighs> the Santa oh. Claus also is or two. I, I like I like the Santa Claus two more than I like the Santa Claus. Back up the boat. What did you just say, Sam? I love the Santa Claus. Yeah, it's an age thing, isn't it? Is it <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with her. What's What's not to love about fat? Uh, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. I don't like those movies. Fat drug dealing Tim Allen. <laughs> what about? Did you? Ever... Do you not like Tim Allen though? I do like Tim are Allen. You ah, not... oh. yeah. So what? Oh, Maybe because Santa. Are you didn't... a Christmas movie person? Oh, Sam, who are you talking to here? <laughs> I adore Christmas movies. Christmas movies in my bag in December. It's all I watch. I'm. Uh, I'm just. Surprised. But not the Santa Claus. No, I hate them. <laughs> I'm looking through the uh, the. The, the Wikipedia list of Disney films, and I can't rem- I can't believe like some of the ones that we've missed, like Tron, yeah, and Popeye, which oh, counts. Tron, the Devil and Max Devlin with Elliot Gould and Bill yep. Cosby, Tom and Huck, Tom and Huck, Dragon Slayer with uh, Hocus Pocus, the guy from Yep, Ali uh, uh, McBeal, whose name I can't remember, and and mm. uh, Ghostbusters Two, Peter McNichol, that's mm-hmm. right, Peter McNichol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna. Talk about a hocus pocus. There are quite literally <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands, of movies. And the black about. hole, which was their kind of their Star Wars. Adam was going to review that one. He he switched it up oh. at the last minute. And Condor Man with uh, I just mentioned some, it. Oh, did you? Yep. Wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, Return to Oz, which we've talked about on the show yeah. before. Squanto, a warrior's tale. Uh, Cheetah, which I know plays a big part in uh, video hoarders in the mm-hmm. video hoarders episode. Uh, the Mighty Ducks, classic. Damn straight. There's, there's a lot. Cool Runnings. Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. What a great movie that was. <laughs> uh, there's, there's Squanto. I know you just <laughs> He's <laughs> playing with me. Yeah, man of the house. Have we talked about that one? Uh, let's, um, let's wrap the show up. And, um, Operation Dumbo. Should we mention that Monster Fest is coming up, Ben? No, I don't, okay. think, I don't think we need to. So it's not happening from <laughs> December 2 through to the 12th? It is. But tickets are not on sale at the Monster Fest website. They uh, certainly are. Um, we won't be presenting any special feature kind of video content in the lead up. Yeah, we will. Oh, okay. 
Well, there watch we go. this space, as Neil Foley used to say, because <laughs> we will, we have done a series of videos and and hopefully audio uh, yeah. ex- extras uh, in the lead up to Monster Fest. Uh, We've spoken to some creatives behind movies that are on the Monster Fest play um playlist on yeah. <laughs> schedule lineup this is program. The, it's the first time, I think in the last three weeks since we've been talking about this, you've used the word creatives more than in the entire time I've known you. <laughs> the, the context will be lost on everybody listening. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. What we want everybody to do is subscribe and or like all of our social media channels. Um, we have Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Don't forget we're on TikTok. Follow us there. That's a lot of fun. We've got videos dropping online every week, throughout the week. There's no end to the content that we put out, so please share, subscribe. Uh, don't forget to tell them about Letterbox too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spin my computer around. Have a look at this. <laughs> ben, what's the, what's the Letterbox address? I just skipped that because we've already talked about it. <laughs> I wasn't listening to that part. Uh, many thanks to Jarrett, Guillermo, Chloe, Adam, Joe, Chad, and James. And, of course, thank you, Sam. It's been great having you here. Thank you. And I want to shout out to Tia who helps us behind the scenes. Ben, it's always fun talking to you. It's been a little bit um, snippy on this one. Has it been? Oh, you've been, yeah, quite in the mood. Oh. Quite <laughs> <laughs> in the mood. Maybe it has, something, maybe it has a little bit of something to do with uh, the, the constant uh, abuse of me singing. It <laughs> somehow finds its way onto uh, social media. Uh, we're going to have to hug it out after this. <laughs> There's another elephant in the room And I don't mean you mate Come on <laughs> Jesus I'm talking about those four First Ernest movies mate <laughs> They were released by Disney uh, Here's a song to bum you all out It's a beautiful and heartbreaking one That Ben and I adore It's from Ernest Goes to Camp Glad It's Raining Sung by Jim Varney raining there's always something to be thankful for I'm awfully glad it's raining cause no one sees your teardrops when it pours and no one knows the thunder is your heartbreak in disguise They think the rainy nights What put that sad look in your eyes Sure I'm glad it's raining The gentle rhythm soothes the pain inside I'm glad the stars aren't shining A wounded warrior needs a place to hide I thought I had found someone I could count on till the end What they wanted was a hero All I needed was a friend Gee, I'm glad it's raining I hope the morning sun won't come up soon long as it keeps raining No one knows my heart broke 
right in two I thought I had found someone I could count on till the end what they wanted was a hero all I needed was a friend I'm 